Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Real Boys, where we got a bunch of people together to talk about each other's favorite movies and or whatever happens to be released or something random. Uh, my name is Dylan, and I'll be hosting this week because we are talking about one of my favorite movies, Memento. Now, uh, Memento was directed by Christopher Nolan. It was one of his early successes back in 2000. Stars Pierce, uh, Guy Pierce, rather, uh, as a man who suffers from anterior grade amnesia, so he can't make new memories every 15 minutes, so he forgets what he's doing, as he attempts to hunt down the people responsible for attacking him and killing his wife. Uh, he uses Polaroid pictures, notes, and then tattoos on his body, and the movie is told from the outside in. So you got a black and white sequence leading up, you've got a color sequence running in reverse, then meet in the middle where the story becomes semi-cohesive. So um, that's kind of it. Uh, before I forget anybody, let's start bringing everyone uh, on screen. First up, we've got Michael Colby. Michael, how oh, are you Oh, no, tonight? I'm first. Or Hemseli Bocille. <laughs> how you doing, Michael? I, I started my name from the middle and worked out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Michael, you'd never seen this before, had you? No. And you're I, not a huge fan of Christopher Nolan. No, I really liked um, The Prestige. Mm -hmm. But other than that, whenever I leave a Christopher Nolan movie, I'm always like, I guess. <laughs> sure. And this one, this one I sort of left going, meh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, get, I get it. But it's not, I don't know. There's something about, I don't know what it is about his movies, but something about them doesn't do it for me. I get it. I get it. Uh, do you think it might just be the presence of magicians that you really like? I do love a movie with some magicians in it. Also, David Bowie's in that, so. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that didn't hurt anything. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, right on. Uh so yeah, I don't know. We'll get to you. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I I don't have really any strong opinions about this movie, so fair. You don't, yeah, you don't need to to linger. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. So I'm gonna bring on our next guest. Uh, this is Justin Wallace from Carpool Shenanigans. Justin, how you doing tonight? Oh, fantastic! And yourself? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine now. I got some stuff figured out, but yeah. Huh. So uh. Was this the first time you had seen this? Uh, it is. Okay. It is. Your initial thoughts on it? Um, so I watched yesterday. I got about halfway through, and I mm -hmm. was, I was upset about how it kept going back and forth, and the scenes didn't add up to me. And watching the final hour of it today, it finally all clicked together, and uh, I liked it. And all right. It was all pieced together. Uh, it all, it all made sense in the end. That's what I liked about it. Cool. Would you call yourself a fan of Christopher Nolan's movies? Um, I don't. I don't remember movies by the directors. To be honest okay. with you, uh, Inception, um, Interstellar, okay. uh, Tenet, which I haven't seen. Uh, I liked Inception. Right. Um, it was another one of those where it kind of didn't really make sense till the end. It all finally got pieced together. Uh, and uh, oh, he also did the tr uh, Dark Knight trilogy. The the uh, Christian okay. Bale Batman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I liked how it was, it was almost like a puzzle being put together backwards, and I liked watching it all. Made me feel a lot of feelings 
which was kind of weird. Usually the movies, you know, you're just pissed off at the bad guy the whole time or it makes you cry or laugh. This one, it was like multiple feelings at once. I was angry at people and then it made sense. And then I felt bad for being mad at them. It was, it was a lot. All right. Well, cool. Uh, Right on. I'm going to send you backstage real quick. Introduce the last person we've got up tonight. We've got Zach of Some Nobodies. Hello, Zach. Hey. Oh, we're back. Oh, sorry. What's happening? We're back. Oh, hey, we're back. (laughs) Uh, Well, we are back. Uh, But yeah, I hope my internet hangs out. I don't know. It was a bit choppy earlier, but now it seems like it's okay. So uh, yeah, what's happening? Uh, How you doing, man? Are we doing? Are we doing? Are we doing reels? Or are we or are we doing in the I, middle? Part? I considered starting off with the end pitch and having everybody give the reels at the start, but yeah, we have a history of changing our reels partway through. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So, uh, no, I'm I'm doing great. I uh, I I like this movie. Uh, I like this movie a lot. I like I like Chris Nolan films. Okay. Uh, I I like more than I don't like. The ones I don't like, I really don't like them. But uh, no, this one's cool. I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of how this is told. And when I watched this, it really hit me at the right time. So I'm, uh, I like it. Now you have seen this before, haven't you? A while ago. Yeah, yeah I saw this in theaters. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, a while ago then. Yeah. Was that the Was that the only other time you'd seen it? No, I probably saw it maybe t- two or three other times. Uh, right. I usually I usually watch every movie about three times. So yeah. I, I know in my history I would have seen it about three times. Yeah. Do you feel like this uh, rewatch was a beneficial thing to do for this movie? Do you think that it, it benefited from a second watch? Uh, for review's sake and for my, uh, my, my personal knowledge of how much I like this movie, yeah, the rewatch was cool because um, I, you, you kind of remember what's going on. And the whole point of this movie is that memory fades. And when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, yeah, I actually kind of forgot most of this. And that's cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I was a fan of rewatching it. Yeah. I'm, right on. I'm, yeah. Well, cool. Uh, so I'm going to bring on the rest of the cast and we will get started here. Right on. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Hello. Hi. Wow. It's been so long. Yeah, right? <laughs> so we Hello. are doing... <laughs> we are doing Memento, of course. Um, now, one thing I learned when doing research... I'm just going to start off with this. Christopher Nolan has a credit for an upcoming film where he is going to remake this, apparently. This is listed as a remake on his IMDb coming up. That It is hmm. reproduction. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. So immediately off the bat, does anyone think that there's any way you can update this movie to make it worth a remake? Mm. Or does this movie kind of stand as a as a product of its time? The problem with this movie is like (laughs) we were kind of speaking a little bit before the show started, is that it is the shock and how the story's told. So if you retell it, you already know a how the story is going to be told, and most likely what the twist is. So you have to do something extremely different to get the same feel, which is you need the audience to be as confused and as out of their element as uh, uh, Guy Pierce was the whole time. So I, I think that it, it can be done. I don't know why you would do it, but. Um, you would need to figure out some new twists and a, and a new style. Yeah, I'm in the same boat 
with this, um, it would need to be like a completely different scenario. Like you can't remake this movie. It would have to be a, like a similar situation, but with a completely different like story of what's happening to the person mm-hmm. who has the memory thing. Um, but yeah, I think also if you would make the antagonist maybe a little bit more likable, it would be more effective. Not that Guy Pierce was unlikable, but he was just sort of very bland in this movie, which is unusual Ooh, because like, I disagree. I've seen, I've seen Guy Pierce be very, very like engaging and stuff. And he's just like, I mean, I get it. I was going to say he looks confused, but yeah, of course he looks confused the entire movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, there was just. It's, uh, Nick Bellotti, I don't think you saw uh, Ravenous because he's very likable in that. <laughs> Even though he yeah. is eating people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to hear you refer to Guy Pierce as the antagonist, which I mean, I don't disagree with, but like he is definitely not the... He's not a hero in this no. movie, yeah. for sure. No, there's really not a hero in this. This, this has sort of the maybe the saw problem, like the problem I have in saw or most uh, it's different. It's, it's the same in theory um, that I have like with saw or with like Rob zombie movies, like house of a thousand corpses movie is that nobody is likable. Nobody's doing something that I like and everybody's sort of working against each other. And Maybe that was maybe that was my problem with Guy Pierce's character was that you know I I like a movie where even if nobody's good, I at least like to have somebody have some sort of motivation that I can get behind, and you know his did, uh, did no, 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 did you not uh, watch me, this movie? I, I I understand what. I understand how that sounded, but he's like, even in the movie, he goes, you know, they're like, so what you kill the person who killed your wife, you're not going to remember it. And he's like, yeah, but you know, well, she doesn't really need revenge. She's dead. That sucks. You're not going to remember it. So it's not going to do anything for you. No, you're not doing anything to help. (laughs) That is a dumb point of view. <laughs> uh, no, if, if you if you were to wake up and you had tattooed on you something about your wife being brutally murdered, and you have no memory of that, you have no memory of how you got there, the only thing you would have inside of you is anger and confusion. The mm-hmm. only thing you have is a driving force to solve a mystery. Who to trust? What do these tattoos mean? What does this picture mean? Uh, so I, I, I think that, uh, I think you're, you, you, you didn't see the right stuff in this, yeah, I... but it, you, you're, you, ha- you're still going to, even after you kill the person who killed your wife, you're still going to have these tattoos. So you're not even going to know that you did the thing. So you're still going to have the confusion. You're still going to have the anger. The tattoos were a bad idea to begin with. Because even the tattoos were cryptic. 
So <laughs> like he yeah. had one he had one tattoo that that was solid evidence and that was the driver's license number. Everything yeah. else was kind still of. cryptic even though it was tattooed on his body. No, they so, once you get it done, you get the mission accomplished tattoo over yeah, top of he's, each he's one. Up. I think you keep uh, going. He screwed up by not getting the I did it tattoo as yeah. shown in the end monologue when it shows him with you know, shows him fantasizing lying down with his wife and he's got the I did it over his heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we don't see him with that. So either he screwed up or Teddy screwed up because Teddy realized I've got a hitman who doesn't remember what he's doing. Yeah. I I also think that Guy Pierce did a very, very good job in this movie. Uh I I liked his like confusion. I liked how brass she was. Um, I, I liked how ang uh, dude, I I don't know. It's a Lannister cup from Game of Thrones from my sister, but thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it does look like Gryffindor cup. It does a little bit. Um, yeah, it does a little so bit. to fill in some of the backstory, because we, I mean, we can go out of order. A, it's uh, you know demonstrative, and B, whatever. Uh, most of the story <laughs> is about a man named Leonard and his friend Teddy, played by Joey Pants, Joe Pantoliano. Oh yeah. Um, and Guy Pierce is searching for the man who raped and murdered his wife. Uh, years ago, he was part of an attack which destroyed his ability to make new memories. So he has tattoos on his body pointing him in the direction of John G and various identifying information and some not so identifying information. And he uses his system to try and collect clues and every so often he forgets where he is and he will eventually, ideally, find the people who are responsible. And as the movie goes on, you realize that he is being used by everybody around him to do their own kind of unsavory work. So that's pretty much it. We find out at the end of the movie, which is chronologically the middle of the movie, (laughs) that due to his own little petty disagreement, he points himself in the direction of his friend who's been helping him. He points himself in Teddy's direction, mm-hmm. which is the murder we see at the begin- very beginning of the movie, which is the end of the story. So, uh, Justin. Yep, yep. If you had to tattoo cryptic clues on yourself because you lost your memory, do you think any of these would serve its purpose or would you change any of them? No, because as is, I can write some pretty cryptic stuff to myself and still make no sense of it. <laughs> I I was actually putting myself in his place, you know, if I couldn't remember 15 seconds ago, what would I do? Um, first off, I'd have a bunch of pens because he's always losing pens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a big notebook instead of little pictures and notepad notes. And I think one was like a, oh, the things you put on bars. I can't remember what it was. The, the coasters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of ways to better help myself, and uh, a notepad was the only thing I could think of. No, if you lose a notepad, or if somebody knows, like, hey, this guy's tracking me, if I just steal his notepad tomorrow, he's going to forget that he's tracking me, uh, then your entire your entire reconnaissance is down the tubes. You got to make sure that it is A, permanent, B, untrackable, and C, enough that you can get yourself there, which is exactly what happened. Well, in that case, then he probably should have put those tattoos in an orderly fashion somewhere where he would definitely see them instead of 
sland like slathered all over his body like different fonts different sizes you know just make a list of tattoos on your thigh <laughs> it, he does it just it was so hard like and he didn't even know where the tattoos were at some points he's like oh yeah check your thigh and it's like okay all of your tattoos should be somewhere where you're definitely going to see them <laughs> and if you're having a memory problem they need to be organized <laughs> well he has the instigating tattoo on the bridge of his hand which is yeah. remember sammy jenkins yeah, the man yeah. who had a memory problem yeah so he's got what he feels is the most important clue where you look at if you're writing stuff down taking pictures he's got that and then you know you it's it's 2000 it's probably set a little earlier or a little later than that they don't know that tattoos are going to be quite so socially acceptable especially you know, you can't get post Malone tattoos yeah. now on your forehead. <laughs> Nobody Maybe that's should what they're get post do. Malone tattoos on their forehead. Maybe that's what the remake is going to be, where it's like po check your it is post Malone. <laughs> it is post Malone. That would be the first post Malone thing I ever enjoyed, if if that was the case. So before we watch, before we open the show, I actually watched him do a cover of a um, Brad Paisley song, which I thought was actually pretty good. Wow. Um, was it very very auto tuned? No, it was pretty. It was pretty uh, unaltered, as far as okay. I could tell. Because that's what drives me crazy about Post Malone is that you can hear the auto tune, and I hate that. Yeah. So speaking of Sammy Jenkins, I know there's a lot of there tend to be a lot of theories about Sammy Jenkins not ever existing, and that you know there's that particular shot where he has the flashback of Sammy in the like care home, and for a single frame, you see Guy Pierce sitting in the guy's chair. Mm -hmm. When did either that, any of you guys was catch my that? Theory. Yeah. yeah, that was my theory that okay. that 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 was him. Do you, you buy into the idea that his wife is diabetic and he's responsible for all of that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he was the person who killed his wife, and it probably wasn't his fault. It wasn't like he murdered her. Um, but yeah. but yeah, I I do think that this guy that he's chasing is not a real person. Do you think that the that first John G was actually the John G he had, or do you think that was another of Teddy's like utilitarian assassinations? Hmm. hmm. Another get rich quick scheme. <laughs> I do have a lot of cash in the back of that car. There's yeah. a lot of cash in the back of that car. Holy shit! Especially for like 21 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. The the whole thing. The insulin nowadays, it's very relevant yeah. to have the insulin subplot be like front and center for this movie. Yeah. 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 The, the murder stuff was a little bit more convoluted than the, the like for what felt like the abs like the absolute B plot was Teddy getting him to murder people and sort of have plausible deniability because he didn't remember like that seemed like it wasn't fleshed out as much as it needed to be. I think Teddy's like Teddy's motivations weren't as clear as as they should have been. And maybe that was on purpose, but uh, I I could have used a little bit more of Teddy. I think he was the more interesting character in in this movie. I think this was the movie Joe Pantoliano did just before he did the Matrix. 
This was in his span of time where he was. No, it was after. Well, Matrix was ninety nine. This is two thousand. Oh, this is in the height of him playing kind of like scumbag characters, and. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that, I mean, that casting feels almost intentional in order to reinforce the notion that you should not trust this guy, yeah. which you are pinned with at the beginning. Yeah, and this was after, uh, he was in Sopranos, right? Oh, yeah. I would as imagine, a, yeah. As a gangster. Yeah. He uh he got he got killed in a very weird way. <laughs> a kitchen, <laughs> like a very terrible kitchen fight. Hmm. Ooh. I don't remember that. I did watch that whole series, but I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember seventy five percent of it. I have the yeah. I have the memento disease where I don't remember <laughs> things that happened in movies and television shows. <laughs> well, hurry, hurry up and get uh, last season of Game of Thrones sucks tattooed Aww. on you somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't do bother that because, with God. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. it was the last two seasons that were pretty miserable of that show. Oof. But those first yeah. couple were great. Uh, but also, so, like, really the, great. The thing is, like, you know, uh, uh, Chris Nolan made following before this, which was, you know, not obviously a wide release, not a very big movie, not a lot of people seen it. So technically, Memento was his first like big deal movie. This was his like Reservoir Dogs, I guess. Um, but my question is, did th do you think that this movie being his first first movie do you think this set him off down the path of i gotta start killing some wives here uh because dead <laughs> wives are where it needs to be because there's a lot of dead wives in nolan movies and this one is like hey if you're a girl you probably need to die <laughs> yeah i don't know that it set him down that path as much as it cemented the fact that you know what he wanted to do was what the people wanted to see but when you when you compare this to reservoir dogs i think that's an apt comparison because like reservoir dogs is i think quentin tarantino like boiled down to his essence i think like while i was watching this i was like this is christopher nolan movies boiled down to what christopher nolan movies are yeah i would say possibly inception uh, only because of how much he loves movies and inception is his breakdown of how to make a movie while telling somebody else how to make a movie. So mm. I, I would say inception might be his, in my opinion, his ultimate, but I can definitely see what you mean because if you look at even tenant, the, the, like the, the DNA of tenant is in this movie, you know, like it's, how do I tell a story backwards forwards? How do I get to where uh audience is confused by the same thing? So you can tell that like, this is a thing to interest him the most. And, um, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I it. mean, yeah, he, he, he loves to tell these stories out of, you know, out of order. And also everything is so gritty. Like there is not a moment of like, respite from the grit in this movie it is like you are in the sahara desert of yeah. movie grit and it's just everywhere there there are occasional moments of levity very small um hmm. that's a good question <laughs> from nick molotti 
<laughs> it's in quotes though so who knows yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean who who are you quoting nick Milotti? how do you get paid to masturbate in front of a mirror is I that mean, in this only movie? fans I don't, well yeah I don't michael's got fans. you got an only fans, yeah, don't you that's that's right and that's yeah. like mostly what i do on my only fans is masturbate in front of mirrors <laughs> yeah because uh, i'm the only one who pays for my only fans so uh i think i think comparing this to reservoir dogs is good um i think Inception is probably the closest thing to compare to like either Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill because it's like what they could do stylistically with the resources Hollywood would give them. And this is what they could do at the time in their career. And I think this is probably even more than just Nolan's wife, Nolan's dead wife club is like Nolan screwing around with portrayal of time and mental state on screen. And going back to the beginning, Michael, I think you're right. For the question Zach was listing as Nolan. Oh, figuratively masturbate. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> figuratively. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry that everybody was just picturing me standing in front of a mirror jerking it. Standing. And, and a second time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I also, st- I also saw you sitting for some reason. <laughs> Uh, I saw a beanbag chair. I don't know where that was going. Oh, weird. <laughs> it's way better. <laughs> With my beanbag on the beanbag chair. Aww. <laughs> um, Leather. I lost my train of thought after that spring mental images. I can't imagine why. <laughs> um, we're talking about Nolan screwing around with portrayal of like time and stuff on film, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Comparing it to <sighs> Quentin Tarantino. Yeah doing his thing his foot thing yeah christopher nolan's uh dead wife fetish like uh <laughs> quentin tarantino's foot fetish up on screen dead wife fetish is my punk band name that's a pretty good <laughs> <name>. <laughs> how many it's math rock <laughs> how many uh wives has christopher nolan gone through in real life like should we be afraid for his actual <clears throat> wives I don't know I don't, that he's been married that often. I think he's been married once, maybe twice, but he's too much of like a robot to actually do anything. He's married <laughs> to Emma Thomas right now. They have kids together. Oh, he yeah. rarely discusses his private life. Okay. Nope. Probably because of how many murdered wives he has. <laughs> I mean, you look at Memento, Inception. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't happen in Batman, but that's a pre-existing character. Yeah, it also, I mean, there's definite wife peril in that movie, you know, I, like you wife count... strapped to bombs. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got... Oh, no, it does happen to Rachel. Yeah, never mind. She's not married, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interstellar. Do you ever, you ever hear about the mom in Interstellar? Matthew McConaughey's just alone with his kid. Uh, I don't remember them talking about it, but she's definitely dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's for sure dead. Uh, and I haven't seen Tenet yet. Does this theory hold up in Tenet? Uh, there. No, I guess not. No. Uh, the Prestige. It's been ten years since I've seen the Prestige. Yeah, Michael's. I I don't remember any talk about. I mean, there's one woman in the movie, but I'm pretty sure she lives through it. I think the only person who dies in that movie is uh, Wolverine clones. Oh right, and then Dunkirk. I don't think has a wife death. 
but I think it's just never mentioned. Yeah, that yeah. So I guess it's not that he probably caught wind of this and was like, I gotta change perception. People figured me out quickly. Yeah, yeah let's get these ladies out of these fridges. <laughs> let's lean heavy into time now. Let's let's yeah, yeah. let's let's do time and let's and keep magic. These la- yeah. And he can like he can tell an interesting story. Like the stories are interesting. And like I said, the way that the story is laid out is very it like it's very well done. Um the yeah, the the story itself, if it wasn't if it wasn't told like this, I don't think people would be talking about it like they do, because it would just, you know, it would be a less good um now what was that one with Neil Patrick Harris? Uh Doogie Hauser. <laughs> no. Starship Troopers. No, the Ben Affleck one. <laughs> oh, uh White Castle. <laughs> Harold and Kumar go to White Castle? Yeah. They do. They, uh, yeah. A couple of times. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Sledgehammer Vasectomy. Oh, Sledgehammer Vasectomy is a great punk band name. That's a pretty good one. That is, that is pretty solid, yeah. All right. If if any of these bands need a drummer, I'm I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I remember what I was going to say way back when. <laughs> oh, were you talking about Gone, Gone Girl? Girl. Yes. Uh, I, I, for, I keep forgetting about... he was in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah Six it's... Million Ways to Die in the West. <laughs> I hmm. definitely didn't see that either. I caught it in a hotel, and I'm like, this is <laughs> hotel movie for sure. Um, I, but... I feel like <laughs> Six Million <laughs> Ways to lot. Die in the West would be one of Justin uh, Wallace's top 10 movies. Uh, Honestly, sure. out of everything you can catch in a hotel, that is one of the worst. And I'm including <laughs> most VD. Most of the diseases. <laughs> bed bugs. Yeah. I've bed bugs and watching Adam Sandler Western. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but I remember what I was going to say about moments of levity in this movie. And I've been accused of really liking my stories bleak. And this is definitely one of them. Um, despite there are, I think I've, I can remember like two jokes. That's when he pulls the car away from Dodd where Dodd like taps on the window with a gun and he's already pulling away. And when he opens the closet door without knowing who's in there, puts the tape back on him and shuts the door. And those aren't like, those aren't comic moments. Mm-mm. And it, you know, it, obviously I had to think about them, but they don't lift the movie out of being really, really dark. And yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed to a bleak movie, but these, all of, all of Christopher Nolan's movies are just like, oh, bleak. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I was just thinking, I, I think that those two jokes is more than he writes in his next uh, eight movies. Because <laughs> I can't think of a joke in Inception, maybe. I can't think of a joke in any of the Batman movies. Tom Hardy's character is kind of funny in Inception. Oh, I kind thought you were going to say Tom Hardy is kind of funny as Bane. But that's just <laughs> well, because of the... When he starts freestyling just because in the football of the arena. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm it, trying to it, think of... actually that's the thing that uh drives my wife crazy. She's actually watching right now. Um <laughs> but when we start doing the uh the Bane freestyle rap. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. But because, I mean, because <laughs> then the well, bane, because yeah. then the bane voice lasts for the rest of the night, and it mm -hmm. <laughs> makes everybody it crazy. Is, it is a fun voice, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a very fun oh, voice. No. Oh <laughs> god, <laughs> it wasn't an invitation. I know. Can we get Phil better back? <laughs> yeah. Wait, can Wait, Phil he's... do a bane voice? No, no I think but he's, he's got, got he's got a boo. <laughs> yeah, he's got a oh, boo oh, button. Right. More annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> sorry honey so, but this is how i'm gonna talk for the rest of the night <laughs> no she's actually saying no to phil <laughs> <laughs> please no but i guess chris nolan is not a very funny filmmaker in any respect like no. He takes himself, and he, I get the—I got the impression, at least from just seeing interviews and and appearances from his, that he takes himself very seriously as like yeah. a, a film guy. And it's like, all right, but why? Yeah, yeah. You don't—you don't have to be up your own ass like that. I, I got nothing to say. I, mean, I, li I like the dude's movies. I, th I think that he I, is one of those few auteurs that are out there. Like when you watch a movie, you're like, oh, this is a Chris Nolan movie. I, I can tell. And yeah. there's something to be said about that. It starts off with this movie and it continues. And I, I don't, I mean, I, the guy doesn't have to be funny to tell, you know, like really interesting oh. stories. And, and it's yeah, sure you you can you can say uh, well, if it wasn't told this way it wouldn't be as good of a movie. Okay, neither would Reservoir Dogs if it's told linearly, and neither oh, would yeah. Pulp Fiction if it was told a different way. So like that that's yeah. not really a good that's not a good debate on whether or not this movie is uh, good or the story's good. The story is interesting, and I and I think it's original. <laughs> if you, I, I can't think of another story that they really had that bad people manipulate another bad uh, 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 mentally damaged person into doing or bad. That is yeah. a crazy concept, and uh, you know, and then also to be told in such an interesting, cool way to to see it from both sides and for it to still work perfectly and at the end to go like wow okay oh uh, okay <laughs> so yeah, I, I, yeah I, and i i definitely went up like it i definitely had a better i had a better time with it after i sat with it for a little bit um so it yeah it definitely wasn't bad it just maybe it's maybe it's one of those movies that gets hyped up so much that like it can't possibly live up to it um and also uh, I don't need, yeah, I don't need joke jokes. Like, I like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, there's never any jokes in that. But they never feel quite so bleak. There's always something that, you know, at least lifts it out of the dirt for a little bit. Or like like a Quentin Tarantino movie. You know, these those two are people whose movies you can definitely tell that they made these movies. Um, but... It, yeah, there's just something. I just, I just, just don't, I don't, I don't think, I just don't think the story needs it. I don't think the story deserves it. Like the story is filthy from beginning to end. You know, the story is about uh, messing up how you remember something, uh, thinking you do love something and you probably don't. And it is like you said earlier, it is just a gritty, filthy film full of bad people. Like yeah. any kind of, any kind of levity would just, 
really kind of disrespect the plot line because it is about you know shitheads being shitty bad person so it is a weird movie and uh it was honestly rewatching it it was funnier than i remember it being which is weird <laughs> and i i do think this movie benefits as i think it's safe to say this is greater than the sum of its parts because i think the the pre presentation kind of outweighs the story and reinforces it to elevate it like I, I've seen, I have the Blu-ray special edition with the chronological cut on here, and I would not, I wouldn't show that to someone first, partially because it's, it's a little, it's not a hack job, but it's very clear that, like, they don't add any transitions or anything, it still fades out and then plays the beginning of the scene as if it had just been re-edited together, mm -hmm. but... I think uh, this format, the way that it closes in on itself to present it, its story, really puts you in the seat of the protagonist in a way that a lot of movies don't. And I think a lot of people might go into this not expecting to be presented with a movie that is clearly a movie. It has that divider between you and it, where it's like, I am presenting to you a piece of art in the way that I made it. And it's not like, you're not supposed to get super immersed in the story, except for how the format of the movie is like the format of the movie is obviously an artistic choice, but it also helps reinforce it. So it's not just a straight narrative linear movie. You yeah. Know? And yeah. All, I, I, I also don't have the benefit of having 22 years worth of movies before seeing this movie you know like when i saw this movie uh keep in mind 1999 was like the best year in movies of all time and that's when people really started popping things off and making things like really just brain melting and brain busting and then you have like yeah exactly it's like the matrix then the very next year you have something where you're you're reusing time dilation the way that uh tarantino kind of did but not successfully he just did it in an interesting way whereas chris nolan did it in like you're like i understand why you're doing this there's no reason in reservoir dogs for it to be chopped up there's really yeah. no reason in pulp fiction for it to be chopped up but when you get down to the idea that this is about memory loss and about fuzzy memories and about trying to remember, uh, which is the same thing I just said twice, uh, <laughs> I think it's more successful than the other ones. So, um, but in all fairness, I saw it when it came out. So I do have that. And then when I saw things making it later, I'm like, oh, they're just ripping off Memento. Like, oh, I see what they're doing. Um, yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, you don't have that. So, but, but I guess yeah, the I, I, I'm curious what it's like to see it now without context it's it's weird because i have seen a bunch of better movies that are put out in that same you know in that same format with it and i'm a big fan of of tarantino's movies and i think you're right like pulp fiction and reservoir dogs didn't need to be put together like that but it still works a little bit better maybe it's because the segments that they do are longer like this is like little five minute <laughs> clips that are just scattered together. And it's like, after you think about it, it makes sense. But while you're watching it, man, your yeah. brain is just scrambled as to what the fuck is going on while you're watching this movie. Um, yeah. So, and uh, you're, you're absolutely right. This movie didn't need levity. It didn't deserve it. It shouldn't have had it. 
but it's something that I personally need in a movie to enjoy it more than than I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> Fair. So that's a personal thing rather than, you know, an actual criticism of the movie. That's a personal thing of why I didn't like it as much as I probably could have. Because there's definitely interesting stuff going on in this movie. It's just that it was, again, little things that sort of built up that was like, all right, okay, I get it. And the tattoos being still very cryptic was my why don't they move next to the river of this movie for me. <laughs> like if you're if you're making cryptic you know if you if if your thing isn't fleshed out completely, just write it on one of your you know Polaroids or on your coasters or something and keep it with you. There's no need to tattoo some of that stuff that was tattooed on him. Well, we see at the end that he is willing to tattoo incorrect information onto himself, or at least commit to doing that, in order to keep his hunt going. Yeah. yeah. So, I do wonder how many of those tattoos were intentionally misremembered, so that he never has to stop looking. And they bring that up a little bit in his closing monologue, where he says, like, does I have to believe the world exists outside of myself, despite the fact that he is going on his way to tattoo his friend's license plate. Like, yeah, yeah, it's another and, failing of the character. Yeah, and the amount of information that he can hold on to, like you never see him write down a lot of the <laughs> stuff that he tattoos onto himself. So by the time he gets to the tattoos, how much of that information is accurate? See, maybe now that's the point. It. You know what? Maybe now that's you're the getting point. It. Yep. He's, Raise your numbers again. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not raising my number again. No. I still, I still wasn't having fun while I was watching sure, that movie. But that's I do get it a little bit more now. It's yeah. a tragedy. The story is a tragedy. Yeah. Like this oh, is not. Cool. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. an understatement. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, but to comment on what Nick said, uh, Nick Malati said last, that's like if uh, Scanner Darkly in this movie were to merge together oh, or God. like, a, like, a yeah, which is cool. Uh, I would like to see that a lot, but that, that's mm -hmm. a, that's a cool, that's a cool comment. If he like wakes up and his split personality is dead. For a long time, I got, conf I confused um, in a Scanner Darkly with Johnny Mnemonic and it wasn't until oh. like. It wasn't until like last year when I watched Johnny Mnemonic and I'm like, when's he going to put on the suit? This is weird. I thought this was a cartoon. Johnny Mnemonic. Where, where, where did this dolphin come from? Johnny the Mnemonic. Keanu is, oh. yeah. that, is, that is the absolute worst Keanu acting you're ever going to see because nope. he's in a... he's Bram in a, Stoker's Dracula. When, yep, yep, when yep, yep, Keanu... Yep. But when Keanu is in the junkyard and he has that monologue about wanting a suit and a hotel room and stuff, it is the worst acting I've ever seen. And the, the Bram Stoker's Dracula is definitely bad, but that monologue is horrendous. Dude, Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula, every time he goes to speak, he remembers two words in that it's supposed to be in an accent. <laughs> and he doesn't remember That's his words until five words have passed. Yeah, yeah, that's not the first time I've seen an actor do that either. Like a British actor trying to do an American accent or something and let out a an accent word every once in a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's tough to do, and I don't know why anybody even bothers. Yeah, <laughs> Just get a British actor to do it. I think he got brought on because he was friends with... um. Oh, what's her name? 
Um, Winona? Yeah. I think he was brought on because he was friends with Winona Ryder. And she was the one who like gave the script to the direct to Coppola. Coppola? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The wine guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he's known for. Also, you know, honestly, get, getting back to the movie though, really good performance from Carrie Ann Moss as well. Like, I, I think that she did a great job. Like, I, I think the acting throughout is solid. It is a oh yeah, solid. Definitely. Yeah, I I really like her in this. She does a she does such a good job that when you first meet her, you're like, wow, uh, and then you see her turn like in reverse, and you're like, oh, and then you yeah. see why, and you go, okay, I see yeah. what's well, happening. Yeah, I mean, this whole movie is full of people that at first you're like, oh, okay, he, I feel bad for this guy. And you're like, mm-hmm. nope, I don't. Then I feel yeah. bad for this girl. It's like, nope, I don't. And it's like, well, at least this guy's being a good guy. Nope, he's not. And it's nope. like, well, at least they're going to kill this guy. Nope, they're not. No. Nope. There was <laughs> the one scene, the one scene that I was like, when the scene was over, I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, like, this, this moved up a reel was just the one scene where she coaxes him into hitting her and mm-hmm. then leaves and then comes back in and is like, this guy did this to me. Go get him. And it's like, holy shit. You Everyone in this movie <laughs> is terrible. You see her gathering the pens before that. Yep. She like knows yep. what she's going to do. Yeah, that was, but, uh, but yeah, she's definitely the best part of this movie like she her character even though a terrible person but her acting and her motivations definitely shine through over top of everyone else's i also want to like say that i really appreciate how joe pantaleano plays it because you get that you get that scumbag feeling from very early on and then in those final scenes where he is seems to be legitimately pleading with a friend Mm-hmm. And he's saying stuff like, I just wanted to see you happy again. Like, we did this, and you're still at it. Like, come out mm-hmm. of it. You're like, oh, man, I know how this turns out for him. And I'm not really happy about it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, it, yeah. yeah and Joe, Joey Pants, he could be a couple different things because, you know, you, you just got off Matrix where he's literally like Lucifer uh, named you know, Cypher after that. But also, you have Bad Boys where he is like, the best uh, uh, cop boss that you could possibly have to Will Smith and, you know, uh, Martin, uh, uh, what's his name? Martin Short? Martin no, Lawrence. Martin, Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence. <laughs> Martin Short would be great in Bad Boys. That we would. What, what, what an awful <laughs> bad boy. Remake Bad Boys with uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short as the two main guys. There you go. I like, uh, Will, I like Will Smith and then Martin Short as his, uh, what's that character with the cowlick from Saturday Night Live? Oh, uh, he has his uh, pants pulled up all the way. Uh, gr- oh man, what is that guy's I name? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Saturday morning cartoon about it, which was fantastic. Yep, Ed Grimley. Grimley, ah, I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. back to the movie. Uh, yeah, back yeah. to the movie away from '90s Martin Short characters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or remake oh, the three, three, three amigos. Yeah. Who would who would we cast? Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, and Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart's the three amigos. One. Kevin Hart, maybe The Rock. I mean, I was gonna, the Rock, I was Kevin gonna, Hart, and, and no, Will I don't want to do that. 
uh, uh, Michael Pena. Will Smith, Vin Diesel, and The Rock. And Michael J. White. Just, just fast Michael, and Michael J. White instead of Vin Diesel. How about yeah, that? Sure. I'm into that. <laughs> because no. we also don't want Vin Diesel and uh, Will Smith in the same movie anymore. <laughs> Famously don't get along with each other. I don't oh. think they would make a very funny movie. No. Even though they're both funny independently. Yeah. Well, maybe not Vin Diesel. I haven't seen too many of his things. I can't think of anything he's been comedic in. The the that babysitter movie. Guardians two. Oh yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your comedic delivery relies on the same three words. Why not? My favorite yeah. thing. Can I just say my favorite thing about this uh, movie podcast? is how far we've gotten away from talking about the movies that we're talking about lately. And I'm yeah. not kidding. I, I actually very much enjoyed it. <laughs> well, this, this is another one of those movies. that's kind of tough to review. Because you can't go through it chronologically and like, kind of say like, ah, and then we remember this part. Uh, yeah. So it really kind of goes down to stylistically and art mm -hmm. and uh, what we thought about it. So, yeah. and, and the weird thing is like, this is a great movie, but no one does have, way more interesting movies oh yeah and yeah you know so uh and yeah. you guys have talked to me out of like uh, i get a lot more of it um you haven't talked me up any reels because i still didn't enjoy it while i was watching it but i get it a lot more than i did when i was mm -hmm. watching it so like maybe another rewatch would be beneficial uh, you know if this was your first time watching it maybe watch it a second time yeah. And, you know, then you sort of know what to expect. So you can look for those smaller, mm -hmm. like nuanced things. But some of the stuff that just cracks you over the head with it, like that Carrie Ann Moss scene um, or, you know, the Joey Pants scene at the end where he's pleading, um, you know, that stuff is is effective. It works. It's powerful. Like mm -hmm. it, it's definitely it's definitely a movie worth seeing. Um, but I feel the same way about Reservoir Dogs going back to Tarantino. Like Reservoir Dogs uh, might be my favorite. If not, it's number two. Mm -hmm. um, but he definitely has more interesting stories to tell after that. But this is sort of what he's about. And uh, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, and I think yeah. you know, considering considering the scale that Nolan eventually blooms out into, you've got five named characters, you've got four major locations and one minor one, and you have like no major real action set pieces. It's all pretty, it's all pretty simplistic. But he managed to put something together that is widely considered a universally great film. I mean, you know, personal taste aside, but this movie's generally yeah. recognized as like I think I think it's on AFI's list of influential movies. I might be incorrect about that. I, but it's I mean, if it's not, it probably think, should be. I, I don't know if it is, but it's usually counted as like best movies nobody talks about or something like that. So yeah. you know, I saw this for the first time and it was a big influence on me deciding to go into like looking at movies as a craft form. And yeah, and I, can I think this is yeah, I can definitely see yeah. That. It's a good showcase of what you can do with a really, really minimal 
I guess, you know, minimal budget, relatively speaking, and just a good story and an idea for format. Yeah. And you're right. You're right about the named characters because even the characters that show up a bunch, I was looking on IMDb and it's like, um, his wife is just credited as his wife. Yeah. The, the girl who's doing cocaine in the bathroom when he opens the door is just credited as blonde. It's not Missy Pyle. I thought it was Missy Pyle the first time I watched mm. this movie. Yeah. No. No, I looked up her credits because I was like, I recognize her. I definitely didn't recognize her. I think this was the last thing she did. Yeah. And she was just like a bit player in a bunch of TV shows. Yeah. I was like, why do I recognize this lady? But yeah. apparently I didn't. She just <laughs> looks like somebody I did recognize. <laughs> So do we want to hit reels before we spin the wheel for Friday? Spoiler alert for everybody. We're doing a real <laughs> wheel on Friday. Hey, do we want to hit yeah. reels first or do we want to do the wheel first? Up to you guys. Uh, let's, let's do the wheel first because we do look yeah. reels and goodbye at the cool. same time. All right. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what garbage we're watching for Friday. So here we are, everybody. I replaced uh, the Punisher 1989 with Chairman of the Board. So uh, God, trash uh, with trash. Now let's see what we'll end uh, on. All right, it's going around, everybody. I had German. What are you hoping? What are you hoping for? VHS, video drone. Oh, uh, all right. Oh uh, yes. Airheads. Cool. We'll watch sure. Airheads next week, everybody. Awesome. I've yeah. never seen it. I'm right. very excited. It <laughs> it may be the only Adam Sandler movie that I still enjoy. Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't I, consider I like it an movie. Adam Sandler movie, but it's no. it's a movie that Adam Sandler is in. I think right. that I I think that you Dylan are gonna thoroughly enjoy this movie. Okay. This is the movie Justin most likely loves. Uh, I can see oh. Dan liking it. I can see <laughs> Phil liking it. I can see Jerry. Dan definitely it. likes it. Yeah. Uh, Chris Harvey. I could definitely see him sleeping through a couple scenes. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I uh, I'm it excited has, about that. Airheads, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read the summary really quick, just so we all know what we're looking forward to. Or it's what, a Michael? very funny movie that has like a surprising amount of heart. Okay, yeah, like it it does have some heart in there, and it's mostly like that's peak Brendan Fraser, and like Brendan Fraser really brings the emotion to the character that he has in a movie where one of the lines is. I ain't farting on no snare drum. <laughs> oh, all right. Strong, uh, strong pitch right there. So I'm going to read the uh, Wikipedia summary right here so everybody knows what we're looking forward to. Three aspiring rock musicians, Chaz, Brendan Fraser, Pip, Adam Sandler, and Rex, Steve Buscemi, are determined to have their band's demo tape played on the air. Out of desperation, they sneak into a Los Angeles radio station, but when the manager, Milo, Michael McKean, meets them with hostility, they resort to threatening him with realistic-looking water pistols. Soon, the situation escalates, and the none-too-bright rockers get in over their heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. 1994. Oh, yeah. Motor, Lemmy from Motorhead's in here for a second. Oh, okay. You, yeah. have, uh, you have Kramer from Seinfeld before he says a very bad word. Yeah. <laughs> you have Chris Farley, before, Chris Farley before he blows up. Uh, yeah, really Aww. cool movie. All right. Yeah. I don't mean to blow up with that. I'm all about the football helmet full of cottage cheese. I made the movie for me. <laughs> the naked, the naked pictures of B. Arthur. Ooh. Yeah, that's funny. All right, My name's Chaz, man, not Charles Chaz. <laughs> 
I, yeah, I don't want to hype this movie up too much. I don't want it to end up not being able to live cool. up to it. <laughs> All right on everybody. So we're about at the end of the show. Let's get some reels and some goodbyes. Justin Wallace, where can people find you? What did you think of this movie in whatever order you like? Uh, movie was good. I liked it. Um, like I said, brought me to a lot of emotions. You know, you know, Justin, that fan works better if you turn it on instead of walking under uh, it fast. <laughs> I'm going back and forth because my kids are being terrorists. You can probably hear oh, them I was, screaming right now. When you have a, when you have pastures for them, just put them out to pasture. Uh, I tried that, but you know, chloroforming uh, kids, they don't go well together anymore. Um, so, okay, since so they're going to be all right. Um, so, sorry about that. Uh, movie's good. Loved it. Brought me a lot of emotions. The scene that really hit it home for me was the uh, one where he's running and he's like, what am I doing? And he looks at the other guy running and goes, oh, I'm chasing someone. <laughs> I don't know why, but I laughed super hard. Yeah. Uh, seven reels. Love the real boys. Check us out every Monday and Friday. We'll see y'all later. Oh, Michael, you did not sing to me. <laughs> we don't want to get copyright striked. We'll do oh, that after the show's over. Oh yeah, no. I, I mean, I am pitch perfect, so that would, the the algorithm would pick me up right away. I learned that song specifically for this show. <laughs> we'll do it after. We'll do it after the show. It'll be a special for him. Okay. All right, all right. Patreon page. Yeah, right. Patreon exclusive. Right. The Real Boys concert series. All right right we'll on, see Justin. You all later. <laughs> Next up, Zach Wiseman. Uh, you can find everything that I do at somenobodies.com. Uh, the cool things got going on, obviously, Real Boys every Monday and Friday. We do No Time to Binge on Wednesday, which is a cool show where we just do not feel like watching the middle. We'll watch the first and last and try to figure it out. Uh, we also have a new podcast out called Create Your Own Podventure. Dylan wrote 18 awesome episodes. You get to choose which way you want to go and uh, figure out how to die the coolest way. Uh, and if you find the time travel episode, then congrats because that was a very cool yeah. episode um and let's see uh honorable mention also want to say make sure you check out oops caught me smoking with dan lovely uh crowd uh <laughs> cloud chronicles uh jerry and blaze awesome show uh phil better in his uh you know 18 less than what me and dylan have podcasts including ones like listening to leaves where he tells you exactly what kind of maple leaf is above you wrestling uh you also have <laughs> streaming the genius where he literally just writes down notes on the side of different canadian streams he also has uh different ones about statesmen's and beaver tales uh one about how to trim moose knuckles i don't understand that one <laughs> check out phil better and all his weird shows uh zach wiseman whatever talk i'm stream twitching i'm stream and i love dylan terry uh goodbye everybody we'll love you too zach but you need to tell me how many reels this movie gets from you eight solid reels this movie cool. is genius especially when i saw it great great movie eight reels all right bye <laughs> all right michael <laughs> play us out movie, like i said um not I didn't enjoy it while I was watching it, but I appreciate for what it is. Um, I'm going to give it a six. Um, I, yeah, it's, if you don't mind some grit and you don't mind having your, your brain bent, um, definitely check it out at least once. Um, but yeah, that's, I, yeah, that was really my only thing. I didn't enjoy it, but I can definitely see why people like it. Um, so I am Michael Colby. 
um, from 21 podcasts more than Phil Better has, which is three more than Dylan and, and Zach have. Um, but the ones I'm going to talk about now are <laughs> uh, Jack Billings presents Haunted Apartment Complex. Um, the RSS feed is started, so you can subscribe to that now. Um, the episodes will come very soon. They are recorded and I'm producing them right now. Um, again, no time to binge, I think is maybe the most fun I have talking to four other people, uh, in the week. It's such a weird concept for a show. Um, and it's very enjoyable. Um, and then I love this terrible game, which has a new format and a bunch of new, uh, co-hosts, we have differing opinions, so it's not just a bunch of white guys talking about video games. Um, so check those out. Uh, I will see you Friday for Airheads, because I do love that movie, and then I don't remember what's next Monday, but I'll be there for that as well. Alright, love you, bye. Oh, it's... Hi, I'm Dylan. You heard what I can, uh, what I do with Zach on some nobodies, create your own pod venture, Silicon Angels, the podcast, podcast, a podcast show, twitching upstream Tuesdays, talking upstream Sundays. You can catch us here most days of the week somewhere, at least. Uh, I'm going to give Memento an eight out of 10. Uh, you know, I think it's a great showcase of what you can do with writing and production to turn what might be an unremarkable, kind of unremarkable crime story into a really, really strong uh, mental thriller. And I'm being asked to return Michael to the screen for some reason. What's up, Michael? I'm also going to be on um, the Cloud Chronicles tomorrow, 4, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Cool. Go check Michael out on the Cloud Chronicles. Um, uh, so I'm also <laughs> going to... <laughs> I decided, uh, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm sure I'm on somewhere. It's been a while, yeah. Zach. You just want to be on screen. That's fine. Give me out. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I like Memento. It's one of my oldest like movies that I remember making me think, wow, movies are really cool. Uh, and altogether, I think our reels came to uh, about 7.25 which is uh, you know, pretty respectable for all of this. Uh, so that has been the real boys, as far as I know. I think that's all we got. On Friday, we spun the wheel so that we are going to watch and discuss Airheads. That's on our casual Friday episodes everywhere you can normally find this show. Next Monday is The Breakfast Club with your host, Dan Levely, um, which I'm I'm fine with, I guess. I'm tired of people overhyping it, but I'm going to get into that next week. Uh, I'm seeing some gestures behind backstage, but we're going to get everybody talking about it next week. My name is Dylan. I hope everybody out there is being, doing okay. Be well. Take it easy. Enjoy your week. We'll see you next time. Real boys. Bye. Bye.